0: Please turn to the Gospel of Mark, and it's Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, found on page 1,159. This passage begins with the disciples returning from their tour, their preaching tour. Remember how Jesus had sent them out to the various villages to preach his message, That he is the coming king, the king they had been waiting for. This was an urgent task uh, where they were to depend not on their own resources, they were to depend on God, and so they took little with them. And they were also not to expect it to be easy. Jesus had prepared them for people not being receptive to them and to their message. But in Christ's authority, they went out and they preached and they performed various miracles and removed demons as signs of the coming king. Let's read Mark chapter 6, and we're reading verses 30 to 44. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat and so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread, and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments and off the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Well, November 22nd will be the midterm elections. And while it's not a presidential election, it's often seen as an evaluation of the president and his work for the past two years and if opinion polls are right about President Biden's leadership the Democrat Party is not expected to do well And that's because many are questioning Biden's leadership they question his ability to lead at his age they wonder who is actually leading and is he leading to serve the people of the USA or is he serving another agenda a new world order simply lining his own pockets. And questioning a president's leadership is nothing new. Nor would it matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican in power, or a Green, or an Independent, or a Conservative, or Labour. Whoever the leadership is, they are questioned. One British politician said, all political lives, unless they are cut off in midstream at a happy juncture, end in failure because that is the nature of politics and of human affairs. Everyone looks to be led, whether it's at a national level, whether it's at a local level, whether it's within your work or within your family or within church. We seek leaders. That's natural. That's normal. And yet leadership in our life is far from perfect. But today in our passage, I want us to consider Christ's leadership Notice that Christ is the shepherd who provides rest in the desert places, so you know satisfaction. Well, firstly, consider that it's important to get rest. Verses 30 to 32. The disciples have returned to Jesus. They're telling Jesus all they have done, all that they have taught. They've been coming and going so much that they did not even have time to eat. Well, clearly, this is not sustainable they need rest. And Jesus tells his disciples to come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Rest is important. Too often we can look down upon rest as weakness. No, you are human. You need rest. You need both physical and spiritual rest. It's never wise to make decisions or act out When you're physically tired, the disciples were exhausted after their recent trip. They needed rest. Likewise, when our children are exhausted, they often misbehave and they say things that they regret. And while that's still wrong, we often say, You are just tired. You need a rest. Well, this coming week is VBS, and I'm sure after this week, all the volunteers involved will be exhausted after spending a week with the children, teaching them, feeding them, entertaining them, and it's important to get a rest to recover. But not only do we need physical rest, we need spiritual rest. Jesus did not send his disciples to be by themselves. No, he was going to be with them. He would minister to them. He would teach them. Too often when we seek a rest, we just want me time. We want to veg. We become idle. And when we're idle, that opens us up to sinful temptation. No, instead, times of rest are times to get into God's word. Times of prayer. You're to take a book with you. You're to listen to sermons. You're to meditate on God's word. So you are built up. Even something like the Cov McCoy family church or church family camp which I'm sure was physically exhausting, is also spiritually refreshing. Spending time listening to a speaker challenge you from God's word, as well as enjoying times of fellowship. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's seeking fellowship time with his disciples, for they are all in the boat together. He's not doing this one-to-one. God, in his kindness, has given us the Lord's day. It's a day of rest. And so it's important that you guard this day. Prepare for it by doing chores the day before. Make it special by not being busy and frantic. But take the time to enjoy one another's company as well as focus on worshiping God. And ultimately this rest is found in Christ. And so it's important to take time to meditate on the rest that you have in Christ. So it is important that you get rest. But secondly, in your rest, show compassion to those in need. Verses 33 to 34. The disciples' retreat did not turn out as they had hoped. There must have been very little wind on the Sea of Galilee that day, for while they slowly crossed the lake, a crowd of people, multitudes, followed them along the shoreline. They spotted Jesus' boat, and so they walked around the lake, And they met Jesus and his disciples as they got out of the boat. Well, you can imagine the disciples' reactions. They go to this solitary place to be by themselves, to enjoy time with their teacher. And instead, the people are there. Maybe you've come home from a busy day at work. You're ready for a rest. You have got your whole evening planned, how you're going to relax, how you're going to put your feet up. But instead, you walk through your front door and you find there are visitors there. Or your kids confront you with a plan for the evening and they've been waiting all afternoon to tell you. Well, too often, we can tightly guard our rest time that we are unwilling to minister to others, to carry out our responsibilities and be a help to others. Well, how does Jesus respond? Does he groan at the sight of these people? Now in verse 34, we read of his care. He had compassion for them. And this word compassion means it came from deep inside of him. It's to show gut-wrenching pity. Don't forget, Jesus is also tired. He's also hungry. He's also desiring a rest. But when he saw these people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. It wasn't simply that the people with with their white clothes against the green grass looked like sheep it was the fact that they had flocked together in the wilderness of all places what were these people doing in the desert one commentator described the political unrest at this time in israel the people were desperate to be led they want to be part of something meaningful They're under the tyranny of the Romans who were restricting them. They're under the spiritual oppression of the Pharisees who demonstrated a hypocrisy. They're under the immoral leadership of King Herod who only cared for himself. Here in the desert, it is where it's safe for them to meet and seek direction. We are in the middle of an immigration crisis. Thousands of migrants are coming into the country. Why is it happening? Well, it's because of bad leadership. Countries like Venezuela or Haiti are being led by wicked people, and they are driving their people out to find better places, places with better leadership. And likewise, these people are being driven out, and they are seeking a leader. They were lost. They were desperate. And they're curious if Jesus would be that leader that they so desperately wanted. Jesus knew this when he said that they are like sheep without a shepherd. He was willing to help. And that compassion should be evident in your life, in your your exhaustion. Don't think, well, I've done my duty and send people away. Jesus doesn't send them away. No, you're to ask God for help, ask God for strength to show compassion to those who are lost. And as the disciples would discover, this was an opportunity to know Jesus all the more. Likewise for you too. When you're stretched, when you're suffering, when you do show compassion, that's an opportunity for God's grace in your life. So don't hesitate to show compassion to those in need. Well, thirdly, you show compassion by teaching that Jesus is the king, verse 34. So Jesus could not ignore them, and so he responded by teaching them. And he didn't start with miracles. No, these people were clearly lost. They lacked purpose. They are in the desert physically, but also spiritually, and they need direction. And so Jesus taught them, and we know what his message is. He is the king that they've been waiting for, and in him the kingdom has come. And so they are to repent of their sins and follow him. He is the one that they are looking for. And so Jesus' priority was teaching the people. That was how he showed compassion. Scrivener writes, Jesus has a holistic ministry, souls and stomachs served. But he does it in that order. There is a lot of talk about how the church should show compassion these days. But what does that even mean? A few months ago, Ken shared a podcast that talked about the sin of empathy. There is sympathy, which is the same word as compassion, which we have here. And then there is empathy. In today's society, showing sympathy to someone is no longer acceptable. It's seen as belittling or patronizing. Instead, you have to be empathetic, where you recognize their difficulties as your own. So sympathy is suffering with them while empathy is suffering in whatever they are facing. So very crudely, if someone is drowning, empathy is where you jump in with them and suffer by drowning as well, while sympathy is where you sh- is that you suffer with them, but actually getting involved and helping them by reaching out a hand to rescue them out of the drowning situation. So how is... How, as we as Christians, how are we to show sympathy and compassion to this lost world, to this world without a shepherd? This world is looking for a shepherd. We look to politicians to lead us. We look to business leaders to provide for us. We look to the media to inform us. We look to teachers to educate us. We look to pastors to spiritually care for us. We look to parents to parent us. And yet even the best of these fail miserably. We need Christ, the shepherd. To really show compassion, you have to bring people to Christ. As Christians, you know the blessing of having Christ as your shepherd. And so show sympathy and compassion to others by, yes, recognizing their suffering, their aimlessness, but then bring them to Christ. Don't leave them in their lost state, but point them to Christ the shepherd. But Jesus' compassion goes even further, for he feeds the people. Number four, notice Jesus is the promised king, the good shepherd, evident by his miraculous provision. Well, the time is now late, and the people are hungry. And the disciples tell Jesus to send the people away so they can go into the villages to get bread to eat. But Jesus has not finished teaching. He's got another lesson to teach, not just the multitudes, but also his disciples. He tells the disciples that they are to give the people something to eat, which the disciples respond incredulously. Are we to go and buy 200 denarii's worth of bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus asks them, what food do you have? And they find out that they have five loaves and two fish, a little boy's lunch. Jesus is making them aware of their weakness, but he would make them aware of his own strength. Wilmhurst says, it's almost as though Jesus has created this difficulty on purpose. The disciples don't realize that this discussion is all part of their training. Should they really be so worried when Jesus is there with them? Haven't they seen him get them out of tight spots before? Often Jesus tests us when we're at our weakest. Scrivener writes, he takes what we have and he takes who we are in all our inadequacy and makes it more than enough. Jesus is the maker of heaven and earth. He made it out of nothing, but here he chooses to use the small boy's lunch. He chooses to use his disciples. He chooses to use you, ordinary people, to point others to him. No one is too weak that Christ cannot use. Elizabeth Elliot writes, If the only thing you have to offer is a broken heart, you offer a broken heart. So in times of grief, the recognition that this is material for sacrifice has been a very great strength for me, realizing that nothing I have, nothing I am, will be refused on the part of Christ. I simply give it to him as the little boy gave Jesus his five loaves and two fish with the same feeling of the disciples when they said, what is the good of that for such a crowd? Naturally, in almost anything I offer to Christ, my reaction would be, what is the good of that? The point is, the use he makes of it is his blessing. So God might be testing you right at this moment and respond by trusting him that he knows best and gives that difficulty to him for him to use for his own glory. Well, Jesus commands the people to sit down on the grass, and this is what leaders do. They take charge. He takes the food. He divides it among his disciples, who then divides it among the people, and we read that all were filled So Jesus did this miracle, which fed 5,000 men, as well as women and children. So maybe 10,000 people were fed. What are you to make of this miracle? Is this Jesus showing Middle East hospitality by providing a meal after his teaching, knowing the people are hungry? No, this is another teaching opportunity for Jesus, But this time, he's using visual aids. And his visual aids would not be lost on the people. As people who would be familiar with the Old Testament, they would be all too familiar with bread in the wilderness. Their forefathers enjoyed bread in a miraculous way. Every day, the Israelites woke up to manna on the ground of the wilderness. Moses was their leader. He told them that God would provide this bread and gave instructions of what to do with it. And they waited in expectation for another Moses to come. God said in Deuteronomy eighteen, eighteen, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Well here they have one like Moses, who feeds them in the desert, who tells them to sit down in fifties and in one hundreds. And this too is a reference to the order of the camp of Israel as they group in tribes around the tabernacle. We read of a similar miracle happening in the life of Elisha. He fed 100 people with 20 loaves of bread, and there were leftovers. Elisha was one of the great prophets of old. There was a prophecy of a coming Elijah, which would be John the Baptist. And Jesus is the coming Elisha, and has repeated one of the miracles that Elisha performed. Notice how Mark uses the word green grass. Why include the color of the grass? Well, it fulfills another reference to green grass found in the Psalm of David, Psalm 23, that we sang. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is no accident that the people are sitting on green grass. And so history has been crying out for a good shepherd. And all these Old Testament pictures come together in Mark 6, and the people would get it. Jesus is the one to come. He is the second Moses. He is like Elisha. He is the good shepherd of Psalm 23. He is the promised shepherd from our reading in Ezekiel 34. Mark is deliberately helping us see how Jesus fulfills these Old Testament pictures. And Jesus isn't simply providing the multitudes dinner that evening in the desert. No, he is saying that he is the good shepherd, that he is the king that they've been waiting for but that he is more than an earthly king. He is God by being able to provide this abundance of food. And so you likewise, you're to understand and recognize that Jesus fulfills prophecy here, that he is a coming king, that he is a good shepherd. Well, finally, notice only Christ, the shepherd, provides you with satisfaction. We read that everyone had their fill, They all had enough. The people, they recognized Jesus as a miracle worker, even as a prophet. We can read that in John's Gospel account of the feeding of the 5,000. But they only saw the temporal benefits. They liked the idea of one who would come and feed them, one who provides them bread on demand. In the coming elections, which politicians will be popular? Well, it will be the ones who offer tax cuts, Or the ones who offer benefits to those in need. And the people saw something similar in Jesus. In John's Gospel we read, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. The people were ready to make Jesus their king. But they wanted a political king. However, Jesus didn't perform this miracle to show that he can fill empty bellies, which would only be hungry again. No, he came to give them satisfaction. We read that the disciples took up 12 baskets full of leftovers, a basket for each disciple, Scrivener writes, a basket full of rebuke for their unbelief. Jesus tested the disciples, and while they failed the test, they would learn to rely on Christ. He could do even more than they imagined. Not only that he would provide them with bread, but that he is the bread. He would provide them with his very self. Notice how Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he divides it among his disciples. Doesn't that sound familiar? He would do the very same thing at the Lord's Supper. But would say, or the Last Supper," but would say, "Take, eat, this is my body broken for you." Jesus would provide a greater blessing than feeding 5,000 men. We read of this in John 6:35. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. In Christ, you will never hunger. In Christ, you will know blessing. In Christ, you'll be truly satisfied. He truly is a good shepherd. In him, you have no want. Christ is a shepherd who provides for you rest in the desert places, so you know satisfaction. Now, it's interesting how Mark places this passage of Jesus feeding the 5,000 beside the passage before, which is that of King Herod throwing another type of banquet, But Herod's banquet did not lead to life. Instead, it led to John the Baptist's head being served on a platter. We have a leadership contest of a sort between Herod and Jesus. Now, in the UK, at the moment, there is a leadership contest within the Conservative Party who will be the next leader of the Conservative Party and so, as a result, be the next prime minister to replace Boris Johnson. And each contestant, is displayed against the other with their background and with their policies and what they would give to the British people. Well, these two kings, Herod and Jesus, are being placed side by side. Who do you want to be your king? There is Herod. He enjoys a good time. He likes a party, but he's a selfish king. He's not interested in the people, for why would he imprison and kill the prophet John the Baptist? John spoke the truth. How could it be a good thing to kill the one who spoke the truth and pointed people to the coming Messiah? No, Herod is weak. He is more interested in his own selfish lusts and keeping in with the right people than he is in ruling his kingdom with justice and kindness. While Christ is the king who shows compassion to his people, He promises peace and satisfaction by this miracle in the wilderness. But unlike politicians that like to make big promises, Christ actually delivers. On the cross, he did give of himself. And so he is the bread of life. In him you have rest. In him you have satisfaction. Only he is the shepherd who provides rest in the desert. So you know satisfaction. Heather was telling me this morning about her reading from Nancy Guthrie's book about how Nancy lost two children in infancy. And after the memorial service of her second child, she asked her sister-in-law, who had lost her husband after two weeks of marriage, how do you do this? Nancy writes, I asked her, wondering how I would get through that day and keep facing the days to come. And her answer to my desperate question was simple, manna. Just as the children of Israel were dependent on God to provide manna to sustain them every day while they wandered in the wilderness, I had to depend on God to give me the manna I needed every day to sustain me as I grieved my loss. Well, Jesus is that manna. Without Jesus, we are simply sheep without a shepherd, wandering and lost. No, in him, you have strength for each day. Jesus is the shepherd. He provides rest for you in the wilderness so you can know satisfaction. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we recognize that without Christ, we are lost sheep. We are sheep without a shepherd. And so we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the rest that he provides for us. We thank you that in him we have satisfaction. Lord, some of us are going through hard times. Some of us are going through difficulties. And so we do pray that you would help us uh, to trust in you. And some of us will be going through hard times in the future. So prepare us now by deepening our faith in you, that we be ready to give over these difficulties and know that you provide manna, you provide the bread of life to strengthen and to enable us each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close our service singing, Psalm 145c.